0: Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. I'm Pastor Levi Secord of Christ Bible Church. Here we are going to be spending some time here, six episodes, talking about human sexuality. And really, this is the flashpoint of our day. There is maybe no area where we are more messed up as a people than human sexuality. And There's a lot of reasons for that, uh, but we've pretty much given into this self-seeking idea that there is no truth above. Everything in my life is about me. There is no God. There is no anything that should regulate our sexual expression. And therefore, anything pretty much goes. And we're seeing this today, even with the sexualization of children through sex ed programs, and even sexual confusion and mutilation that's going on at the youngest ages of of our people. And We have to find a way as a church to speak about this because human sexuality is important. And human sexuality is, well, at the beginning, created by God and is good. And there is more potential for for blessing and goodness and pleasure and all of these things in this area of life. And also there is great potential for harm and devastation. And all we have to do is look out at our world today, how we have cast off God's ethics and see just the destruction that this this has brought, whether it's single-parent homes and the impact that has on children, or again, uh, genital mutilation that we're seeing today, or the growing inability for people to get married and stay married, and the hookup culture, and the psychological damage that does on people. It's all around us. The evidence is all around us, and yet we don't seem like we want to listen. And so today, in this episode, we're going to unpack a seven... Seven ways that we distort sex today. Seven ways in which we are thoroughly messed up. And we could probably add seven, seventeen, even more to this list. But here we'll we'll focus today on seven of these before we're going to start to lay out more of a Christian understanding understanding of human sexuality. And so uh our first one is this: sexual expression is viewed as central to a person's identity. So the last series we looked at human identity. And when we're talking about male or female, as far as genders or sexes go, uh, that really is central to who you are. And that is God given. It is is assigned by God. You don't get to pick it. But that's not what I'm talking about here today. We have now turned people's attractions and even their perversions into central to who they are, whether you're gay, straight, uh, bisexual, transsexual. These are now categories by which people find their meaning their identity and their purpose in life it becomes core to who they are and your best self is then found in giving full expression to that and that full expression being accepted and praised by everyone else and while for the time being we still have some constraints on this we are starting to see those being rolled back i mean it is no accident that our children are being sexualized and that our children programming, our children's education are starting to promote these things in books and libraries that are really problematic and they show you the direction we're going on. So for the time being, we have restrictions on this still as a society, whether it be uh, we frown upon things like pedophilia, rape, bestiality. But if there is no law of God, then those things are not inherently evil. I want to be clear here, I believe there is a law of God, so these things are inherently evil. But if you reject that, then on what basis is such a thing wrong? You see, prior to the rise of Christianity in Rome, all sexual power actions were allowed for the powerful, as long as you weren't violating the rights of another powerful man. The Roman men could do whatever they want with whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Roman women had a different set of rules. They had to protect the family line, uh, as it were. But the sexual ethic of Rome was absolutely wretched. Let me read you some things. Wealthy families, for example, had to guard their own children in public with armed guards for fear of them being taken uh, advantage of. There was nothing holding back that um, behavior. Uh, If you want a good resource on this, this book here, Pagans and Christians in the City culture wars from the Tiber to the Potomac of Stephen D. Smith. He lays out uh, the sexual perversions that were marked uh, in the Roman Empire, brothels on every street, uh, sex with infants. All of these things were common practice, especially for the men, the women in Rome who were Roman citizens and in upper echelon. They were expected to, to act a different way, but Roman men could do whatever they wanted and often did do whatever they wanted until then. Well, what changed? Christianity came in and said, no, there is an ethic that you have to abide by, including the men, not just the women. You have to treat your women with respect. You have to be faithful to them just as they have to be faithful to you. It's just another one of those ways in which Christianity uh, was oppressive to women by treating them equal, as it were. There is nothing today that is really holding us back from that same moral confusion, except that we have a Christian tradition. And we've liked a lot of that uh, Christian tradition. But if a person's sexual preferences and inclinations are central to who they are, then why can't that be the same for pedophiles? We Think about how absurd this is. If your desires are central to your personal identity, why don't we do that for pizza? Why don't we do that for what type of woman we like? Well, I'm a blonde-attracted person. I'm a redhead-attracted person. I'm a tall a woman-attracted person. Like, it's it's silly, and yet we have bought into this lie that your sexual preferences and really perversions are central to who you are, and you should have the full free reign to express those things. If anybody did that with any other desires in their lives, you would look at them and think they are absurd. But for some reason, well, we, we tolerate that today. Sec- second, sexual Pleasure is viewed as the greatest good and the greatest pleasure that you can get. So therefore, your life should be about getting as much of it as you can. This is basic hedonism. This is another one of those lies. Meaning is bound up in your feelings and sex feels good. Therefore, your life should be about getting as much of it as you can. Anybody who places restrictions upon that is therefore oppressive to you and doesn't want what is good for you. Uh, To not have sex is not to, to be living your life to the fullest, and therefore, sex has now become something that is primarily about you. The biblical sexual ethic is much more giving uh, than it is necessarily receiving, but this is what we think of sex today. It feels good, and I should have things that feel good, and I should get as much of that as I can, and therefore, sex is all about me, 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 and what that does is it leaves a trail of hurts in your background because you, you treat people like a product to be consumed. Third, we actually then also degrade sex by saying it's just a biological necessity. Through Darwinistic evolution, a sex is a part of how we survive and proc- or recreate, and then our species goes on to evolve. And as we've evolved, we're just highly sexualized animals, and there is no greater meaning to sex except for, right? it's just a biological necessity. It's like breathing. It's Therefore, there's no greater emotional unity. There is no greater unity between two people. By this act, but rather it's just something biologically that you that you need and you have a need to do and of course, if this is true, then sex really has no meaning and and you are less human in a way if you don't get sex as often or if you live a celibate lifestyle, Jesus didn't have the the full human experience as it, as it were and but we treat, actually end up downgrading sex by turning it into just a biological exchange of of fluids and that it isn't important. Uh, beyond that fourth then we also treat sex building off of this as they can be separated from your emotions and from individuals right it's just a biological thing uh, that happens and people aren't going to get hurt it's just sex it's not a big deal it's not it's not really that big anymore it's meaningless and so we have this this dichotomy that goes on here that sex is completely meaningful as it's central to your identity and it's also really not that big a deal so you're going to build your identity on something that has no greater meaning at all. It's just it's just two people. No one needs to get hurt as long as um the two people can just hook up with no strings attached. You can have friends with benefits, etc. But again, the studies are coming out here, and it's it's showing there is no such thing as sex with no strings attached. Right? People are emotionally, physically, and objectively united to one another when they perform these acts, and it brings baggage with it. There is no way that it cannot. And fifth. Uh, then we look at it and we say, well, there has to be some moral constraint, and this is what we're we're struggling with as a society today: is we don't want this full free for all because people are getting hurt. There is something more to it. We know that intuitively, and so we say, well, the only moral category is consent. Consent is the category. If it was consensual, then it was good. And now, of course, as Christians, we affirm uh, the need for consent. But if that is the only standard, one has to has to ask the question, why? Why is that the standard? What makes consent good? Well, if there is no good, if there is no universal right and wrong, why is consent all of a sudden good? If Darwin is right, and it's survival of the fittest, the strongest survive, then why can't the strongest of us just do whatever we want to, whoever we want, whenever we want? This is, of course, what, what Rome did. And so if... There are, if there is a morality and consent is a part of that morality, what other categories should be placed upon our sexual ethic? Sixth, another common lie that we have is that then we marry, and then part have sex, marry uh, to complete ourselves and to become better versions of ourselves. And we want to speak very carefully here because there are benefits to marriage. It is good that man finds a wife and a wife finds a husband. It is not good that man should be alone. And so there is some completing complementary nature between a husband and a wife coming together. But what we do is we've now turned marriage into something that I do for myself. I got married to you so that you would compliment me. I get married to you because you make me feel a certain way. And we've, we again, we're treating individuals as less than human. We're treating them as products. And if they don't give me those feelings anymore, if I don't feel like they're bringing out the best version of me, I can cast them off and find someone else to do that. Why? Because marriage is ultimately about me. Or marriage is actually the bringing together of two people who are supposed to serve and love one another. Seventh, and last, uh, the somewhat Christian or holy feeling response that's actually an air here, is that, well, yeah, sex is permissible. It's something that we have to deal with in this age, but it's not really good. It's not really holy. And again, this feels holy because we look at the, the messed up nature of our world, and it is truly messed up. And we say, well, the holy response is to be nothing like that. So let's just not talk about it. Let's ignore it. And it's, it's not really holy. It's kind of icky. And Christians should be disgusted by what we see in the world today. But the proper response isn't to ignore sex. The proper response isn't to downplay its importance. The proper response is to look at it rightly and biblically. Because we are right now as a society, and even in many quarters of the church, really messed up in this area. And we need to start letting Scripture shape how we think and how we live out our human sexuality. Again, human sexuality was God's idea and it was created and it is very good and it has the potential for the greatest blessings in life and also it has the potential for the greatest harms in life. And so we need to think deeply and carefully about this category. And that's what we're going to do over these next episodes. What is what is the Christian sexual ethic? How is it different than that of the world? And how does it bring blessings? How has God designed it and then how should we then live that out as Christians? So I hope you'll join us on this journey as we We continue to bring all of Christ into all of life here looking at human sexuality. I encourage you to like, comment, and share on this episode, video, or however you're consuming the Worldview Minute. Thank you again.